Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Uh, let's get into the Word of God tonight. Father, thank you for, we celebrate what you have done in this place. We celebrate what you've done in our hearts. We celebrate what, what you have caused to be a reality through your promises. So we pray tonight that as we entered into the Word of God, that you continue to reveal the heart that you're after. That you reveal to us the lifestyle, the, the cross section of the interaction we're to have with the living God. We have your Holy Bible the scriptures that are like a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. We're able to see your interaction with man and be able to be taught wisdom. So tonight, bless your word and then let it be a good seed planted in good hearts that give forth a good fruit and harvest that glorifies your name. Bless your word as we gather together to receive the best part of this bread of life that nourishes our spirit, prosper it in our hearts and that we might Walk after it entirely, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Um, I want to start tonight with having begun this year, we said that we were going to start with deepening our faith. Jesus asked the question, when I return to the earth, will I find faith in the heart of man? Will I find the substance I'm looking for? Because the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so there are not many examples in our lifetime that would teach us how to follow after a true, genuine life of faith. Um, I, I think that there's many things that we can be upon the earth. Um, there's a lot of fakes out there. There's a lot of people pretending. Uh, in the time that Jesus lived, everybody was saying one thing or the other. You had some lines of faith that would say, we believe in the resurrection. The other one says, we don't believe that people come after the dead. They had some people that didn't believe in miracles. And they didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. And so in order for them to streamline authenticity and genuineness, they said, we have the faith of who? Abraham. We are, we are part of, let's go to John 8, 39. This is how people confirmed that they were genuine believers of the faith that would save. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. We're following his footsteps. We're living like he lived. His pattern is our pattern. The way he believed God and saw all the blessings flow from that belief and promise. That's the way we believe. And Jesus says, if you were truly the children of Abraham, if you were connected to the true power source, if you were his children, you would walk like he walked. You would live like he lived. You would relate upon the earth. Um, the life of Abraham is fascinating as he journeys in this world, not minding the affairs 
of this life. And, and a lot of us are caught up into the distraction of the circumstances we're living in. We're overwhelmed by our background. Um, he gives us Abraham because Abraham is the model and example of each one of our lives. Um, if we say, well, my father was never a Christian, so that's why I'm not a good Christian. Or my father was never, my grandfather didn't show my father, so my father couldn't show us. So Abraham all had all these issues. Because where Abraham came out of was a pagan family. His family used to worship idols. In fact, the people that historically studied his life say his father was an idol maker. He not only worshipped idols, he was making them. Hey, come here. You, you could worship this little eagle here. and You bow down and you bring a candle to it. And he would explain his father how to worship an idol. How to bow down to a false god. How many parents had us bow down to education and to business and to careers that had nothing to do with God? I was asking my parents last night. We had a great time in my backyard with my mom and dad. And they were telling me their life story from the time they got married to how they came to the United States. I had never done that with my parents. And so they were telling me, man, it was a hassle. They were asking us for about, back in those days, it was a thousand dollars to leave Cuba with my mom, my dad, Leanne, and Raul. So they needed a thousand dollars in a, uh, in a time where a thousand dollars was like ten thousand dollars. And so how do you get out of Cuba when you don't have the thousand dollars you need? They told me a friend lent it to them and they were able to go to Spain. And says we landed in Spain, we had no family, we had no friends, we had no money, and we're just, Leanne was how old? Nine months old baby. Uh, Raul was three years old. He thought he was just going to go to the park, and he's in Spain now, and they're looking around. Where are we going to live? So they tell me the whole story, and, and this was what it was like for Abraham. He was called out not knowing where he was going, and, and, and we relate this to our Christian life. A lot of you guys have been called out of, of no more idol worship, no more false gods. The true God has come and called you out. Now, the interesting thing, if we're going to follow, and I want to try and do this, um, it's going to be beneficial tonight, um, because this year we said, we promised we're going to deepen our faith. We're going to go deep. We, we want to ground our faith so that when Jesus comes back, we're not playing games. And so um, the Bible says, when God called Abraham out, um, in Hebrews chapter 12, let's go looking for that, you'll see that his initial... A lot of people will not leave without knowing where they're going. How many say amen? A lot of people will not take a journey without knowing where they're going. And, and my parents were telling me this last night. Hebrews chapter 11. I said 12, right? Um, here it is. Verse, chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham... When he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as his inheritance, he went out not knowing where he was going. This guy, he packs and he starts traveling and he doesn't know what's going to be the end result. How many feel like that with faith? Hey God, you're calling me and I don't even know where you're calling me to, but I know you're calling me. And, and this calling is one that requires obedience. So 
if you're, if you're going to be a true Christian, it's going to require obedience. Uh, a lot of people want to travel by feeling. Well, I want to feel that this is right. Or I, I want to know. Um, last night when we got back from Oklahoma City, we decided to go have dinner with the kids. They're still, they're a lot older. When kids are about four or five years old, they'll ask you a thousand times, where are we going? So, so now the kids are older and you expect, we're in the car, please don't tell me where we're going. I don't know where we're going. We're going anywhere just as long as we end up eating somewhere, right? Um, they'll do that. They'll be into their late teens and they'll still ask you, where are we going? And I'm like, I don't know where I'm going. I know we're going to eat. I don't know where. Uh, so it's not going to get better. Uh, here goes. Abraham obeyed with this measure of faith. He was called out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Now, if you're going to go to a place and you don't know where you're going, guess who you have to stay close to? To the person who knows how to get you there. You got to be connected with God. Otherwise, you don't get there. Uh, and so this was Abraham as he journeyed. And the Bible says in verse 9, By faith, he lived in a land of promises, in a strange country. He lived in the land of promise. How many, you know, I think somebody was, I think it was Sixto Porras. Uh, he came here, the, the president of, Fe, of Focus a la Familia. And he says, listen, this journey is more about walking in faith than getting to the destination. A lot of people are stuck on getting to the place. Listen, the joy of this journey is walking with God. The joy of the journey of faith is not knowing where you're going to end up, but knowing that you're holding on to the hand of God. So I've had people challenge me in the past, and they says, you don't know what you're doing. It's so true. I've, I've, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm holding on to the hand of the man that is leading me where we're going. I got his hand. And when you have his hand, say that with me. I have his hand. He's got my back. He's covering for me. So in that regards, he dwelt in the land of promises. This is a good land. You don't, you don't want to know why the land of promises is a good land? Because God keeps his promises. There's not one promise that the Lord has not kept in my life. And I was just reminded of that a couple years ago where I said, Lord... My life has been an expression of promises fulfilled. When I didn't have a wife and you promised me, you gave me a wife. When I didn't have a family, you gave me precious children. You gave me a house. You gave me a future. You gave me a hope. You're a God who keeps his promises. Amen. If there ever was a promise keeper, it's our God. So because he lived in the promised land, he dwelt in tents. A man says that men do not want to live in tents because a tent is a transitory uncertainty. And guess what? That has been our life. And people ask me, well, Joaquin, what are you going to do next month? I don't know what I'm going to do next month. I know what God did last month that blew me away. And I'm expecting the God that has led me for 30 years in a good way. Tomorrow, he's going to show up again. And his promise is fulfilled. So this journey of living in tents goes contrary to um, the, the, you know, the 
entrenched mindset. And this is why a lot of people don't want to live faith. Because faith is an expression of God's reality every day. And it's not something that you make up or you uh, exercise. And he dwelt in these tents with his children, Isaac and his grandchildren, Jacob. He was able to pass down in generations that maybe they could have stayed. Maybe, maybe they could have planted. Maybe they could have, um, they continued to live uh, this manner with the heirs with him of the same promise. Um, powerful. Why could he do this? Why could he live in this, that mindset? And it says it in verse 10. Because his expectation was a city which foundations and builder and maker is God. What's that mean? God, you're building my life for me. Amen. You're the one that's establishing the ground. A lot of you guys are foundation building. And it's the toughest part of building anything. They say that, that it takes years for these high rises. It takes years for them to break the stone and go down and go down and go down and go down. Spend years laying the framework. Depending how high this building is going to go up, it has to go down like three times. So you're going to build a, a, a 10 story building, you got to do six months. And by a 20 story building, you got to do a year. If you're going to do a 50 story building, foundation needs to be laid super deep. So don't get overwhelmed with the foundation God is lying. Why? Because the deeper you go in this foundation, the higher you're going to go in the rise. Amen. Incidentally, I was, we were bumped up to first class on our way to Oklahoma City. If there's any seats missing in first class, I have one of those special things that if no one purchased a seat, they bump me up to first class. So we got bumped up. And every time I get bumped up, I know that I'm going to have somebody sitting next to me. So on this particular trip to Oklahoma City, we're sitting down, and it's two seats, two seats, and two seats, big seats. And there was a big man next to me. And this guy was so large, and you might see him. He might be coming. His name is Juan Castro. But he was, he was so large, and everything was so big, and he's, he's, he's a man commanding presence, right? And I'm going, man, if I talk to this guy about the Lord, he's going to say, pisk, pisk little fella I'm busy here and you're disturbing me so I just said okay Lord this is a big guy I'm not gonna be able to get him for a while so I sit down we have dinner or breakfast and I go to sleep he's watching his video and um and he's watching another one he says so he's watching a series he's catching up watching this series called Breaking Bad okay horrible thing okay watch this anything that's bad is bad right well, we, we're, we're hooked on bad things. That's why people watch them. You guys will watch them repeat. Okay, here he goes. I get up to go to the restroom because I said, there's going to be a big fight. I need to be relieved. So I go to the bathroom. When I come back, I say, excuse me, sir, what do you do for a living? I build high rises. And I just left them like that, you know. So. Why? What do you do? Thank you for asking. <laughs> it's kind of difficult to explain. See, what you do with high rises, I do with men. I help them build. I help them grow and become champions and heroes. He, he said like this. He says, 
I'm 36 years old. I'm on my third marriage. I'm on my way to see my son because my wife divorced me, and now I have to go visit him once a month in Dallas. I don't know how to be a man, don't know how to be a husband, don't know how to be a father, and I need you to help me. I said, I'm going to help you. And I started telling him what it was that God wanted for him and his son and his family. And he says, I would give half of my wealth if I could have your wisdom. I, I thought he was big, commanding presence, man. He became, he says, the one who taught me how to be a man, my mom. My mom. Listen to me, God has a plan to raise up men in our generation that are going to be entrusted with the wisdom of God. Amen. Things we cannot buy, things we could never purchase, things that this world doesn't. So that's why it says there in verse 10 that Abraham was seeking after this city. He's talking about a large place. He was pursuing something greater that was going to require the foundation and the builder and the maker to be God. And that's why he gives us this journey to walk a faith walk. A walk is something that when people, when you tell people what you're doing, they're like, you know something, you're a little bit cuckoo. Because you're going where you don't know, you have somebody promising you, and you're waiting for God to build your life. Listen to me. That is the most worthy construction company we will ever find on the planet earth whose builder and maker is not IBM it's not Harvard it's not Yale it's not the high institutions of learning it's the faith in a faithful God and that's what we're on and so if we go to Isaiah chapter 51 God has a message for you tonight and I hope you're receiving this message from the Lord and you shout amen with all you got. And that you're able to pass this down to your sons and that they not clown around and be able to your sons to pass it on to your grandsons. Otherwise, you will, you will cry tears of blood with what this world wants to do in destruction towards our life. Isaiah 51 and verse 1, he says, listen to me, those of you who pursue righteousness, those of you who say you're seeking the Lord, look, from, uh, look to the rock from which you were hewn. You were, you were taken out of a, of a greater source. He says, you're, you're, you're not to be living this faith life as you imagine it to be, as people want it to be, as you feel it to be. You got an anchor that is sure. You got a rock that's immovable. You go looking to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. God pulled you out. And, and the model of who you are is after those who went before us. And who does God, when he says, look, where is the source? Where is the origin? Where is the, the first part of what you're trying to accomplish? Those of you who've, who... Uh, listen to me, those of you who follow, who desire righteousness, you who are seeking the Lord. Verse 2, this place is Abraham your father. The core anchor of a relationship with God is studying 
weighing, considering, profoundly pursuing this man Abraham. And to Sarah who bore you. There's a woman that the Bible says that you can be considered a daughter of Sarah if you have a character that honors your husband. The promises of God for you, being birthed, things. Um, it was horrible. Um, you know, I, I'm a biography guy. I love to, to hear about people's history. Uh, I think there's a lot in being able to see how people live and what they do. And, and I find out there was a biography going on now in Oklahoma City. Uh, just like people like watching Breaking Bad, I like to watch biographies. And uh, Mia Farrow, 18-year-old. 19-year-old uh, girl, uh, the daughter of, ready for this? An old name. A lot of people are not going to know this name. How many remember Maureen Sullivan? Uh, you guys are old. <laughs> Maureen Sullivan was chosen to play the part Jane in Tarzan. Oh! She would hold the chimpanzee's hand. So this is black and white. Okay, so for you guys, don't freak out. It's not color. It's black and white. Maureen Sullivan has a baby girl. She has two boys and then a baby girl called Mia Farrow. She was married to John Farrow, who was a womanizer and a pervert and a twisted man. So Mia Farrow is born, and at the age of 19 and 20, she becomes the lover of Frank Sinatra. Okay, that's all I'm going to tell you. But that, that's a family line in history. So destruction has fallen that family at levels that you never, so she's doing her first movie while she's married to Frank Sinatra and she's birthing in Rosemary's baby, Satan's baby. What a wicked movie. It's a wicked movie. So Frank Sinatra says, look, this movie is taking too long and if you don't stop doing it, I'm gonna divorce you. And she says, my career is more important than my marriage. So they got divorced. But I wanna go to that point because instead of birthing a lineage of babies that change the world. We can distract ourselves from faith. And, and here it is. Let's go again. Uh, Isaiah 51, verse 9. I'm, I'm verse 2. Look to Abraham, to your father. Follow in his footsteps. I, I can't say that anybody could have a serious Christian faith if they don't know about Abraham. Because God is saying, go back to a man who became the father of our faith and follow his life and follow the course so that your faith is legitimate. And follow Sarah who bore you. This woman was able with everything that happened to them and they had some setbacks and some frontwards. They had a lot of things happen just like in the normal thing that happens to us. We birth our Ishmael's. What is an Ishmael? Something that we want so bad that we're willing to start without it being God's time. And that is awful. And so Ishmael is the son that is not of the promise. They had a good idea. God is taking too long. Why don't you and, and, and the maid get together? This, this is a faith fiasco. The wife tells the husband... God is taking too long. You might as well go with that woman and birth a child. Listen to me. A spiritual Ishmael becomes not a blessing, becomes a curse. Ishmael and Isaac, Israel and the Arabs are still fighting to this day. Everything that is Islamic and is, 
is terroristic and is not peaceful upon the earth was the faith of someone who didn't want to wait on God's promise. And, and, and if we're not careful, these young guys that just started, I'm so excited, I want to do something for God. And whoop, you do something, and it wasn't God's time. And it wasn't God's promise, and it didn't produce God's fruit. So he, she says, to Sarah who bore you, for I called him as a single man. And we have issues with this that we have to overcome. God is not impressed by the multitudes. A lot of people say, well, Pastor Joaquin, if you're going to change the world, then why is your church so small? Listen, smallness has never been God's problem. God is able to grab one man and raise up a nation. He's not impressed with multitudes. In fact... In one occasion, God came to a big gang fight with 33,000 people. He says, you have too many. How many has ever thought that too many is a problem when you're going to a fight? To God it is. And so he says, Gideon, get rid of um, 32,700 men. Wait, wait, God. Get rid of 300 because we need men to fight. He goes, no, no, no. If you fight with that big multitude, you guys are going to think that you won the fight. I need you to be convinced that I won the fight. I need you to know that I don't need what you need to be victorious. So again, faith. And these men are there in the hall of faith. And we're learning from this. For I called him alone. So if you think, well, God, if, if you're going to do something big, why am I the only one here? If something's going to happen... There has to be a resonating, and people have told me, Joaquin, how are you going to change the world when your church is so small? I said, this was a month ago, somebody said, I I'm really impressed with, with your sons. I'm really impressed. The, the, the Kenny Luck said that. I said, listen to me, wait till you see my spiritual sons. You haven't seen anything yet. You have not seen anything yet. When these champions are unleashed, to, to be victorious upon the earth. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even so, our faith. People that have genuine faith. People whose faith is grounded in the word of God. People who follow and track Abraham. For I called him alone and I blessed him and I increased him. I multiplied him. So this is the trek we're on. And it's called the trek of faith. And, and I'm excited and we see that the life of Genesis 11, the life of Abraham begins in Genesis 11. Um, it's the first book of the Bible, this man. And as we see him pop up on the scene, it's, it's good that we, that we go there and meditate. And Lord, you know, I feel lonely. I, I feel that I'm surrounded by people that don't know you. I'm surrounded by people who, who haven't drawn near. And there it is in... Genesis 11, verse 27 is the first mention. Verse 26, sorry. Genesis eleven twenty-six. This is the first mention of Abraham in the Bible. I love this because we get to start from zero. I, I can't stand watching a series or a trilogy where I don't know Darth Vader is his son. I, I, don't, I don't watch that. But I want to know the beginning. And the beginning is here where Terah lived 70 years and he had some sons, the first of which was called Abraham, Abram. That was, that was there in the beginning. Who's Abraham's father? 
Everybody say Tara. Tara. And in that regards, as he has his son, we learn a little bit of the history of the family there in verse 27. After he's 70 years old and he has Abram, this is the genealogy of Terah. Terah begot Abram and Nahor and Aram. And Aram got, uh, begot Lot. So Aram is his brother. When he has Lot, Lot becomes Abraham's nephew, right? Everybody got that? That's where we learn Abraham and Lot are uncle and nephew. And Terah died before his father, Terah. So the son died before Abraham's father died. That's probably why Abraham took him on as a son. Abraham said, Lot, you know, come, I'll take care of you. And they, he, Aram died before the father Terah in his native land in Ur of the Chaldeans. Um, I want you to uh, recognize that while it's only a two-letter word, say it, Ur, that's an entire city. It sounds like a burp but it's really a city. And this family lived amongst a people called the Chaldeans. And the Chaldeans lived in that region where Abraham is born. And so there comes to the place, um, it says, then Abraham and Nahor took wives. So they found their wives, and Abram's wife was Sarai. And the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. And the daughter of Haram, the father of Milcah, the father of Is. But Sarai was barren. Sarai was barren and she had no children. So they begin to travel there. And as they are traveling, in verse 32, it says, So the days of terror were 205 years old. His father lived for 205 years old. And Terah died in Haran. So now look what it says in chapter. Now we're going to go to chapter 12, verse 1. And it says, now the Lord said to Abraham. This is the calling. Ready? I, I don't know when God showed up to your life, but this is when he showed up to Abraham's life. I remember when he showed up to my life and told me, hey, buddy, it's time for you to come with me to the place I want to take you where you're not going to know where you're going, but I know the route. And so he says to them, get out of your country Remove yourself from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. This is God communicating to this family, I got plans for you that you do not know. Now, in the Bible, they mention the name of Abraham 235 times. After his life, the first uh, 95 times are during his life. From Genesis 11 to Genesis 25. Abraham did this. Abraham went here for 95 times. And then for 130 times, we see uh, everybody who speaks about Abraham afterwards is pointing back to this man. 135 verses pointing back to him. Saying, remember uh, Abraham, remember what he did, remember his sacrifice, remember his faith. So everybody's tracking his relationship with God. We cannot say we take God serious unless we follow the life of Abraham and how he relates with God. How God relates with him. His birthplace, his calling, his choosing, his separation, the promises, the direction, the sacrifice, the intercession, the inheritance. 
Get out of your country. Remove yourself from your family. All these things sound super confusing to somebody who is shallow in faith. Now, obviously, I'm 30 years in this direction, so I can look back and say, wow, now I understand a lot of things. But when you're on the front side, you're like, where the heck am I going? I was like, God, what are you doing with my life? First thing God tells me, begin to obey your dad in everything. What? That's faith. You're going to trust that if you honor your mom and dad, everything will go well with you and you'll live a long life. I said, I'll do that. At first, I said, no. I said, Lord, what if I don't? He says, well, you're going to live a short life and things are going to be like hell. I said, you convinced me. That was the first. That was, that was, I'm on board. And then remove yourself from the fellowship of those that are not seeking me. That was hard. I said, Lord, I can't do it. You're going to have to do this one. And God was faithful and did that. Separated. Verse 2, I will make you a great nation. When you listen to God, there's incredible reward. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Look what this faith walk is leading us. Listen to me. There is nothing upon the face of the earth that will get you where believing God will get you. Where knowing God will get you. Where obeying God will get you. It doesn't require, I love there's a video that says when God calls a man, It doesn't require an education. It doesn't require a fortune. It doesn't require a political party uh, party or votes or candidacy. All it requires is he who will be the greatest among you will be a servant. (coughs) Learning how to be a faithful servant will take you to the highest place in the highest charge. I will make you a great nation. You'll be a leader over peoples. Listen, I never dreamed that nations would be calling me to come down and speak to them. When they called us from Argentina, I don't know an Argentinian. And that says, we've heard about you. We've been watching you for five years. We want you to come. We'll pay all your expenses. We'll pay all your foods. We'll pay the guys that come with you. We'll pay for your transportation, for your hotel. All we want is for you to give us what you have. I was like, this, this is powerful. Then years later, 10 years later, a man would come all the way from Argentina. He says, I need to speak to you. I said, you're 63. I'm 47. You could surely teach me a lot more. I says, he says, no. I've been watching you for three years. I've been observing you. And you take this stuff super serious. So give me two days so I could fly into Miami. And I could sit down and open my heart to you. I want the counsel of the Lord from you. You walk with God for real. And so that's what God is preparing Abraham for. He says, you are going to be a blessing to all peoples. I will make you great. I will bless you. I will prosper you. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and those who curse you will be cursed. What God is saying here, he's not into being this mad, wicked genie who's going, zap. He's saying like this, whoever stands as your enemy will be my enemy. That means God will fight all your battles. No hand will stand before you. And you and in you, 
all the families, because God is into family. I know a lot of people want to be a lot of preachers and, and, and theologians, but God wants to know how we build a family that lasts. We were reading with the men on Monday night a couple of weeks ago, I think it was two weeks ago, in 1 Kings chapter 20, that the king uh, of Syria, in verse 1, he tells the king of Israel, he says, Now Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, gathered all his forces, 32 nations gathered together with horses and chariots and went to make war against Israel. Verse 2, when he shows up to the city, he sent messengers into the city to the king of Israel, and this king of Syria told the king of Israel, the bad guys telling the good guys, verse 3, I want your money, I want your wives, and I want your children. What the devil's after is our prosperity financially, our marriage, and our children. And if he could get in your finances, he's going to destroy your marriage, and he's going to destroy your children. So God will defend. He's telling Abraham, you're going to be a blessing to marriages and to children and to finances. Going back to Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to say it with me. I'm going to bless your socks off. Verse 4 is my favorite. I you know, I'm not surprised. I, listen to me. I am not surprised when God is speaking to man. And telling them the game plan. I'm not surprised. Because he's awesome. I'm surprised when I see this. Abraham departed as the Lord spoke to him. He went with God. I'm on. Tell me where to go. Tell me how to go. I'm on. And, and this is where a lot of people don't get to see God. Because when God speaks to them, they always have an opinion. When God is telling them something and speaking into their lives... Uh, First Kings, no, Second Kings chapter 5, God tells Naaman, if you go and dip yourself seven times in the Jordan, I'm going to heal you. And he says, well, I got some better rivers that I could go to. I got a better place where I could dip myself if I want to dip. Listen, dipstick, it's not about your opinion. It's about you listening to God. It's about you wanting what God wants, you loving what God loves, not you bringing your next opinion to God because you have no promise. You're going to live a curse. And I love verse 5 even better. He took his wife with him. And all the possessions that he had from his land. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. This journey is a powerful journey and we might continue next week. But we have enough to chew on tonight. We have enough to consider that if you're seeing these things, blessed are you if you keep them. Blessed are you. Blessed is your family after you. If you walk in the ways of Father Abraham. Father Abraham. Father, thank you tonight. Thank you, Lord, that you have been able to fulfill your purposes in families on the earth from long ago that honored you. And that's why their sons are still upon the land. You say that we are all sons of Abraham, children of Abraham, descendants, not of an earthly promise, 
only, but of a heavenly family, a spiritual family, where we could walk like Abraham, even in the, in the midst of many mistakes and setbacks and imperfections, you were able to fulfill your call. And one of the greatest families upon the earth are the sons of Abraham. Those who worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are blessed, are prospered, have peace and joy. Allow us also to remove ourselves from pagan confusing ways, building idols, whether it be mammon, whether it be careers, whether it be the glory of, of this world, to become serious men and women of faith, faithful servants who are prepared to meet their maker, their builder, and their God. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says amen. 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 Hallelujah.